I'm Pam Ressler, and thanks for joining me on this episode of Raising Resilience. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Tori Rayerson, who is an elementary school nurse in Massachusetts uh, in the Acton-Boxborough Regional School District. I think it's so important to talk to our frontline healthcare providers who aren't on the front line in the hospital, but are on the front line in our communities. And school nurses are some of those unsung uh, heroes of the healthcare um, system right now. Our kids have been um, home now uh, unexpectedly. Uh, most states have now canceled school for the end of the year. They unexpectedly uh, left school in March and without a lot of direction. And so between the, the teachers and the administrators, as well as the counselors, school nurses are really playing a large role in um, what we can do now in our uncertain times and also how we transition back when uh, it's time to go back into the school buildings, hopefully in the fall. So welcome, Tori. I am thrilled that you agreed to, to join me today and I'm looking forward to talking about resilience and um, what we can do now and, and perhaps in the future. Great, Pam. Thank you so much. Um, I'm looking forward to talking with you as well. Great. Just a little background. I know you've been a nurse for over 30 years, but you've been a school nurse um, for 14 years. So your specialty really has been working with kids um, and in so many ways, but the younger kids. So you've been a school nurse in the elementary school years. That's so important for how um, kids learn about being resilient or being able to cope with change and, um, and difficulties, as well as find opportunities for um, joy and growth. So what are the things that you're really thinking about now that you're out of the, the school building? But <laughs> that I'm out of, well, I miss the kids. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm really missing the kids. And I know that the kids are missing school. Um, I, I think that this is a huge change for everybody, obviously, and the kids are missing their social relationships, they're missing their teachers, and they're even missing learning, a lot of them. Um, some kids adore school, some kids not so much, but I think that there's a structure to having school every day, and, and kids thrive on structure, and without that, we're definitely um, in a tough time for kids and for parents who would then have to sort of figure out how to recreate that structure at home. And we're, we're putting a lot of, um, uh, a lot of things on the parents, aren't we, in terms of uh, just this unknown, the uh, fact that many parents are trying to work from home at the same time, um, trying to be teachers to, to their kids and doing lots of other things. How do you how do you think we can help parents or, or kids um, be as healthy as they can during this time of uncertainty? Well, I think it's it's really important just to remind everybody that that this is an unusual time and this mm -hmm. is not a normal time. Um, but here we are, so we need to try and work every day at being patient with each other, at 
before being patient. Yes, being patient with each other, I, I guess yeah. is a good way to describe that. Um, and and knowing that this is really hard. This is hard for everybody, and it's it's hard for different reasons. But it's still it's exhausting, and it takes it's going to take a lot of energy. So I think making sure that people get plenty of rest, that people are able to give themselves some care and some private time, which is going to be difficult in a lot of these situations, but but really important um, to be able to, to then have that energy and and strength that it's going to take to be able to be patient and to do the things that you need to do and to um, be able to try and teach your kids at home while trying to work and while trying to maintain your household and some some degree of structure. Yeah, really good points. I I think, you know, a couple of things kind of uh, popped out at me. One is the space that you mentioned. So um, many of us are, are sharing our space and there's very little separation. And, um, and that's difficult because kids are used to being in their environment of school and parents and wherever their workplace is. And here we are in perhaps a, a smaller shared space. Um, and, and that's difficult. That's a new, new way of being. I also love what you said about that this, this is not normal. So I often uh, cringe a little when I hear the word new normal. No, this is really abnormal. We're learning to adapt to what's happening now, but I don't think we need to consider that this is a fixed state right now. Um, This is abnormal and um, we will um, manage to navigate it, but there's nothing normal about this. No, I agree a hundred percent. And as you said, you know, this was an unexpected turn that took place in March and people were not prepared for it. We didn't have the expectation that any of the things that took place were actually going to be happening. Um, and you know, it's, it's even to the point where, you know, kids left some stuff at school cause they thought they'd be coming back. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's, definitely a challenge for everybody and you know and that's sort of got to be in the back of your mind with every conversation that you have and in every action that you take and you know that's um not easy to do that requires a lot of a lot of again patience and just sort of thoughtfulness um when everybody is is stressed out it's hard to it, it changes your perception of of things that are going on and it does it makes sometimes things that are perfectly normal and would be normal in any other circumstance just that much more heightened or anxiety provoking than they might be otherwise and sometimes you just need to be able to step back and and reassess that thought process that you're going through yeah i think that's really important too because we know in terms of um just human behavior and also human physiology, that when we feel trapped or in danger, our ability to think big picture um, or to modulate emotions goes way down. And so it's very hard for us to do that perspective taking that sometimes occurs when we're not in that state of acute or what's looking like now, more long-term stress. So I'm, I'm concerned how 
people actually regulate that. And I think there are tools, you know, certainly you've studied mindfulness and meditation yourself for many years and how we can translate that into um, both kids and parents, um, the ability to perhaps be a little mindful using some of those techniques to um, give ourselves a little pause, a little space in that, that ongoing stress response. What are some tools or, or tips that you could give to parents and kids to get us through some of those super stressful times and just kind of try every once in a while? What would you recommend? Well, there's, there's, fortunately, there's a lot of different ways to be mindful. And I think, you know, the traditional thought is that everybody sits for 20 minutes or half an hour, but there's so many other ways. And um, I think this, this is a, a time that allows us to actually be able to find those different ways and, and practice and try them and see what works for you and for your family. Um, there's also, you know, people don't talk about um, things like music or stories, as, but those are also mindful as well. And that those are things that you can um, sit with your family and just listen to an audio book and have somebody read out loud to you and just be, be with that story with your family. And that, that can be something that can be very um, stress relieving. And it's also time spent together and you're experiencing similar things and it's something that you can talk about afterwards. Music is another wonderful way of being mindful. Um, singing or listening to different kinds of music, um, playing music. If you've got a child that has been learning an instrument, they can attempt, maybe they can attempt to, to make some songs of their own or, you know, create some music of their own and then share it with family members or friends. Um, now that we have Zoom and things like that, we want to take advantage of them um, in situations like this. One thing that I think... Um, is when you're feeling stressed out, we're, we're in a situation where we, there are very few things that require immediate action and reaction. So if you feel that you're losing your temper or that you're getting angry, then you know, take a step back and take some deep breathing. Just sort of reposition your perspective a little bit. And we, we have time to do that. You don't have to rush in and react to every situation that's happening. If your um, you know, five-year-old starts having a temper tantrum, maybe step into the other room for a minute or two and, and catch your breath. Um, there are different deep breathing exercises that people find helpful. Um, there's one called square breathing or box breathing. And it's, it's an intentional breath that you deep breathe deeply and you start to regulate your breathing a little bit. Um, and it can be very calming. What you would do is you would take a deep breath and hold that breath for three or four seconds and then wait another three or four seconds, then release the breath for three or four seconds. And if you do that a couple times in a row, your body actually will start to relax and calm down and it, it helps. And, and that won't take that long. Then you can return to the situation and hopefully be able to have a response that is something that you're going to feel better about in the long run. I love that. That's such a great technique. Um, 
you know, I've used it with kids and adults of, you know, and kids of many ages. And it's, it's so simple um, in theory, but it's so effective, isn't it? Because you're, you're kind of anchoring yourself, you're pulling your thoughts into the present moment with this rhythmic activity that you're creating. And it's, it's such a great technique. I'd love to have people try it and, and let me know what they think of it, but, but it's a, a wonderful um, tool. I love also your suggestions about using the arts in a way. So music or um, the, the language arts of, of reading to each other and then sharing that. So there's an incredible opportunity there to um, use something that often is a rather solitary um, endeavor or passion and then share it out into the world, which I think is an opportunity that we might not have considered um, before we've been thrown into this abnormal way of being right now. Yeah, and it's a way to sort of add structure to your day as well. You know, you could start the day with a story or some music or end the day with a story or music. And yeah. You know, we all we talk about um, these are things that we would like to do normally, but we're all too busy. And in theory, we are probably still really too busy, but <laughs> we have more time that we're that's together time now. And if you say, you know, we're going to listen to a book on tape for ten minutes every night, then you know you can do that together and listen to a story or or read the story out loud to yourself. I loved reading the Harry Potter stories to my kids when they were growing up, and we would read a chapter a day and it was it was great, and they loved it um and I loved it. It was a great way for us to be together and to be doing something and it wasn't stressful mm -hmm. um or at least for me, I enjoyed reading but you know if it is if it's if reading out loud is stressful for you, then you know the audio book is a great alternative. Yeah, and I love, I love that perhaps coming out of this, you know, I always look for those openings, those places within the chaos or, or crisis that, that there can be a little opening or, or growth, you know, coming out of this, there's going to be a shared experience there um, between the generations, um, between parents and kids of, you know, the music or the reading, etc. There are some um, great books. One that I know you recommended to me a while ago, and I revisited it. And it's a picture book. And actually, it's, I think, about 40 or 50 years old now. But the title of it is Fortunately. And why I like it so much is it puts ourselves, the child in, in the book, into one of those situations that is good and bad. So it's fortunately and unfortunately, and again, fortunately and unfortunately. And I think part of our um, learning maybe during this crazy, crazy time might be that bit of a more creative or flexible mindset. And that's actually been studied for a number of years. Um, Carol Dweck, who's um, out at Stanford, has dubbed it uh, a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And the ways that we can support that growth mindset is actually when things go wrong or when there's failure and how we um, readjust. And that fortunately, unfortunately, is a wonderful uh, way to express that, I think, to kids. And also thinking about this idea 
of not to negate that these are scary times, there's a lot of fear, um, there's a lot of loss, um, those endings that many kids didn't get to have um, of their school year. Um, are there these other opportunities for um, learning to be a little more uh, resilient, uh, having that ability to, to bend and recover differently? Um, maybe we can do that with some of the stories that we tell or that we, we read. I think that's a great idea, and and fortunately, it's by Ren, Remy Charlip. Thank you. And it's yep, it's the um, it's a it's a great story, and it's fun, and you know the kids absolutely love it. It's aimed for probably between kindergarten through third or fourth grade, mm -hmm. but I, you know I think the older kids would get a kick out of it as well. Um, and I I think it's it's just a an interesting perspective, and it's. It, it does have you sort of look at things in a less narrow view. You know, yes. here's an experience, and you can view it narrowly, or you can view it in a little couple of different lights and see how that works out and plays out. Um, and it helps the kids to sort of be able to then view their own other experiences in a couple of different lights. Um, you know, yeah. this is not only what, what you're seeing before you, but there are other, other things to it as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, you know, the more we can translate some of this unknown that we're experiencing into stories, into um, books that aren't exactly the same, there's no mention of coronavirus, and fortunately, but to um, role model a bit or to demonstrate um, our capacity to actually be a little creative and flow with these changes that are unexpected um, in our lives. And they're going to come in numerous, numerous ways. I think the other thing that um, is helpful through stories like Fortunately and others is to show that we can make mistakes and um, we can get back up after a mistake or a challenge in a different way. And that's a wonderful, um, uh, empowering message, I think, for kids who are very concerned about success or not making mistakes. What do you, what's your take on that? I agree 100%. And certainly, you know, this is a, a this unusual situation that we're in. We don't have a roadmap for what's the right thing to do or not. So we're going to make mistakes along the way. And as, you know, parents and kids, that's okay. We just, we need to be patient with ourselves and with each other. And we need to be able to to acknowledge when something didn't work out the way that we wanted to and say, well, you know what, I'm going to try again and we'll see what I can do next time. And, and maybe sometimes you even need to apologize. I know, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes when you get upset about something that didn't work out the way that you wanted to, maybe you'd say something that you didn't wouldn't have normally said otherwise. And, and that's a great time to say, you know what, I, I made a mistake. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to respond that way. And you, you, you can say that to the adults in your life. You can say that to the children in your life. And you're not only role modeling that it's okay to make mistakes, but you're also role modeling forgiveness in yourself and, you know, and saying, hey, I can, I can work through this. And 
um, it's not the end of the world. And Absolutely. that's going to be really important for the kids, I think, to, to see, have that role modeling so that they can be flexible, so that they can be resilient and, and that they can be okay as much as possible. You know, it's, it's a stressful situation and um, people, people can get through it though. People care about each other and support each other. And with that love and support, you know, hopefully we'll be, we'll be able to get through this. Absolutely. And, you know, as human beings, um, we have survived um, many things. And so to have um, faith in the fact that this is uh, a new disease, but it's not a new situation for the human race. And so mm -hmm. to take a look at, we've done this before, um, just with a different different disease. And I think that gives people a sense that this isn't all brand new. We have the capacity to do this, but we need to pay attention on how we're going to, to navigate it. As you think about the return to school at whatever point that may be, what are the things that um, you hope for and that you're concerned about? I know as a school nurse, um, many people don't really have um, the, uh, the full um, idea of what school nurses actually do. And it's, it's no longer uh, going to the school nurse to get a Band-Aid, is it? Um, so tell me a little about you know, what you hope and also what you're a little um, fearful of as we return to, to school. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm hopeful that we all return sooner than later, that we all get to have a normal start back in the fall. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm concerned that that's not going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm also mm -hmm. concerned about mm -hmm. what school is going to look like when we come back. I have a feeling that there are going to be a lot of folks who are going to be nervous about returning and um, are going to be uncertain as to how comfortable they're going to be in a situation where there's multiple other people in the room. Um, and that's, you know, that includes children as well as the adults and the staff. Um, and, you know, the, the anxiety about how, you know, what, what happens if I get sick and where's that going to, where's that going to play out? My concern there as a school nurse is that, you know, we've always had some degree of anxiety in school and, um, you know, that's absolutely normal. That's not unexpected, but we now will be in a situation where um, the space in our health office is probably going to end up being very limited um, for visits with students who are, in fact, you know, potentially going to be very ill or potentially could make other students very ill. So mm -hmm. whereas I would normally have three or four kids in the health office at a time, um, I am probably looking at a scenario where it's probably going to be one at a time. So some of those kids who are coming in with stomach aches or headaches that might have been related to anxiety or fatigue or needing a break from class are not going to be um, able to be received as as they normally would be in the health office. And that worries me because it's, it's a definite support system that we have in the structure of the school. And without that, we're going to need to find some alternatives and to make sure that those kids are able to 
get the support they need and continue to be able to access their education, um, which if you're feeling really stressed out is, is really difficult to do. Um, it's hard to learn when you can't, when you can't relax and it's hard to learn when you're tired and, you know, you're not getting the rest, that rest that you need. Um, so I'm, I've, I've got a few concerns to say the least. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be new territory, isn't it? Um, of, uh, really how your health office, your community health office, because that's how I view school nurses as really being our frontline community health um, advocates, um, is going to have to change from what it has been um, to something um, that reflects about this, this new way of being together that is probably going to go on for, for a while. Um, so does that give you hope also that there will be ways to, to change or does it feel just overall really scary to you? It's a little scary, but we're, we're already working on thinking about going back. I was in a meeting just before the phone call here, and we, we are talking about reentry and what's that going to look like. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things that we talked about is a school like the one that I work in that would normally just have one nurse um, may need, well, we're definitely going to need a different space than what we have, um, which is a very small room and office inside of an office currently, um, that's not going to work. But we're looking at maybe having uh, two nurses and one nurse staying with the children who are um, potentially sick and will need to go home and another nurse going around to classrooms as opposed, you know, and doing the care that we would normally give, um, just not in the health office, will be going to the classrooms. So that was some a possibility that we were floating around. And it's going to take a lot of thinking outside the box. So yeah. it's going to take a lot of creativity and it's going to take a lot of trying different things because, again, this is, you know, sort of uncharted territory. So we're going we're gonna to do things and some of them aren't going to work real well. And, you know, but we'll have to just keep being flexible and trying creative and trying new things. And hopefully we'll get, um, be able to provide the care that we want to we want to be able to give for these children coming back to school. And I think we can do it. It's, I, I, I'm hopeful because we've got a lot of people who love, who love kids, who love nursing, who love education. And, you know, we're fortunate to live in a state where we have a lot of support with that as well. Yes. So I think, you know, we'll be able to, to think about new things. And uh, now that we know that we will not be going back for the rest of this school year, we've got, a little more time to work with than we had thought that we had last week, which is good. Um, yeah, yeah. When we were thinking about coming back in the middle of May, I was really nervous because I didn't, but now we've got lots of time for planning, lots of time for getting the equipment and that we're going to need, getting, finding the supplies that we're going to need and making the changes, you know, to our spaces and, and being, being, have, have enough time to be thoughtful about it. And, um, so I'm, I am hopeful. I am hopeful. And I'm, I really, you know, I know that it may feel like a long time coming, but I do think it will definitely happen. And um, 
I'm looking forward to, to those days a lot. <laughs> That's so great. And, you know, I, I know so many school nurses and, and teachers and counselors and administrators. You all love what you do. And this has been really hard for those of you who have been separated without a, a, a traditional way of, of transitioning and saying goodbye. But I'm so thrilled to hear that um, even now, we're thinking ahead. We're thinking out of the box because we're going to have to think out of the box. And that kind of circles back to that whole idea about the growth mindset that perhaps we're all going to be embracing it in ways we never imagined. And we might make some mistakes. And I think knowing that that's part of this process is also a bit liberating and also empowering. And it's certainly a way to think about raising resilience for everyone. I just want to thank you so much, Tori, for taking the time. I know you've been really busy with, with meetings with colleagues, and um, it's not like uh, you haven't been uh, working so hard. It's just in a different environment these, these past many weeks, and I know that going forward, that's going to continue. So thank you for being on the front line um, in the community, just like we are um, applauding our our workers on the front line in the hospitals. Um, bravo to you and all of you thank guys you, out there in the community. <laughs> and thank you so much for agreeing to, to chat today because I think your message is one of, of hope and is one of, um, we're gonna do this. So thanks so much, Tori. Oh, thank you, Pam. It's been a pleasure and I love talking to you. And take care, everybody. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Raising Resilience. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and take care. Mm -hmm.